Hello and welcome to the Faculty Podcast, covering the latest breakthroughs, research, news and insight delivered by the world's leading academic and industry figures. I'm an economist and I've been working on the environment and especially on the climate problem. Um, and so we see in that field, we see a lot of externalities in the form of uh, pollution or impact on biodiversity or, or climate indeed. And um, uh, what I came to realize through various uh, conversations and readings is that in fact, externalities are much more pervasive than that. And, um, and go through the fact that we have a lot of influence, not just on the environment, and like other species or ecosystem, we also have a lot of influence on our fellow human beings. And, um, and in, in so far as we don't really uh, align our private uh, management, our private interest and the social interest, uh, taking account of the impact we have on the others, uh, there may be a discrepancy. And that's where there is an externality in the sense of a mismanagement of the influence we have. On, uh, on other people. And the fact that we are very strongly interdependent as human beings in society through our interactions and, and so on, um, uh, makes us very, uh, very uh, dependent on this phenomenon. And so I, I was interested in that. And then uh, with the help of Brody and uh, working with that, uh, on, on this with uh, Ravi Kambur, another economist from Cornell, uh, we held a workshop at Princeton University with uh, people from other disciplines of psychology, especially social psychology and sociology and anthropology. And they all confirm that we are uh, human beings, uh, ultra social and, and very much interdependent. Yeah, I was a student at Princeton and working closely with Mark on research around social relations and their effects on people's lives and lots of different, uh, lots of different fields. And so we've really done a large review of the literature across not just economics, but sociology, psychology, a whole range of disciplines to get a good grasp of, of the different ways these effects can, can occur. Economists typically focus on the externalities first that are generated by economic activities, and they tend to characterize externalities in terms of a missing market. Uh, there is a, a missing uh, management of the influence uh, and that's because uh, a market, a price for this influence is, is missing. So for instance, uh, when you pollute by emitting uh, CO2, uh, there is a missing price. We should put a price on CO2. And so the, the focus is always on um, extending the scope of markets, putting a price on everything, um, which is uh, not crazy at all. It is pretty reasonable in many contexts, but uh, this may be uh, limited. And another uh, focus that economists have, and I'll say more about the limitations, but Another focus is they tend to focus on the waste that is due to this management problem, so the inefficiency, as they call it, rather than the distributional issues, right? The fact that there is harm going from one actor to another person. Um, so it's more about uh, coping with the inefficiency and not so much about addressing distributive problems. And so um, what we uh, suggest in our work is to uh, try to uh, remedy these various limitations. Uh, of course, as I, we just said, externalities are generated by a lot of things outside economic activities, and um, they can be dealt with by other means than expanding the scope of markets and putting a price on everything. Uh, and moreover, um, we highlight that externalities cannot be addressed, even if there is an inefficiency and things are wasteful and we could do better for everybody. Um, it's not clear uh, exactly in what direction we should go when we 
solve the externality problem, who should get priority? That's a question that has to be addressed and, and we can't really go to action uh, without addressing this question as well. So just to make that a little more concrete, some of the things we're thinking about is, for instance, the relationships in a family between parents and their children is that the parent's relationship with their child clearly has very uh, significant effects on that child's development. But this is something that falls well outside the traditional focus of economists and economic study and really what you would think of normally in economics as an externality. And of course, there's no sort of market mechanism which incentivizes parents to treat their children with love and care and ensure that they, they get their full development. And as we'll talk about, there may be other mechanisms that do provide that function, uh, but they're not the traditional things that we would think about as economists. Another way we can think about this is, for instance, the social networks that sort of bring communities together and give people a sense of, of shared bonds with their, their neighbours and, and other people uh, in their community. And there's a lot of research that shows that those relationships are really important for the way that neighbourhoods function, for crime rates, for public health, even for the functioning of democracy. And so uh, these things have really important effects on our society and that's going to flow through to, to economic outcomes, people's economic outcomes and well-being. But they're effects from these relationships and people's actions that are well outside what we would normally think about in, in economic analysis in terms of pricing, in terms of markets. In our workshop, our colleagues told us that uh, human beings are ultra-social, so we very strongly depend on support or the opposite of support from coming from other people. And so if these impacts are so strong, we probably live in a society uh, because of this mismanagement of these influences, which is one, very wasteful, um, but also uh, unequally wasteful, right? So there is a waste of human potential uh, and this waste is unequally distributed. So uh, just to talk about uh, recent news, right? In the US, uh, there is a structural race problem that is well known and has been there for a long time. And now you see people start to talk about it as a public health problem. And that's a, a good way of recognizing the impact, the strong impact. So people are literally sick of this problem. Uh, when they are on the wrong end of discrimination. Um, and so, uh, so this is just one example, but you have many examples. So if you think, for instance, of the way human resources are uh, handled in many firms, um, very often uh, the, the organizations, because they are private organizations, they focus on the returns for their uh, main stakeholders, and usually their shareholders. And, and so they function in a way that generates a lot of waste in human potential. So they will hire people, they will squeeze, squeeze them, uh, and, um, and very often put them in, uh, in structures which are uh, very tough, uh, potentially very competitive. And so those who fail, those who are for whom uh, this lack of support and this tough competition is too harsh, they get ejected from the system and they get excluded. And, and what happens? Well, um, then uh, society has to pay the cost of this, uh, of this uh, situation. And so the problem of deaths of despair, another thing, the expression comes from the US again, but it's much more widespread. Um, it, it, this is the kind of thing that occurs when communities are disrupted by this management, which is excessively focused on, on um, private interest and neglects these, uh, these externalities. These are just two examples, and uh, Brody could mention Others, for instance, uh, in, in the work Brody did, he looked at the wage premium for married people. So uh, in a marriage, people support one another, and that is probably the reason why married people are more productive, more successful in the economy. And, and uh, Brody, you want to add other? Uh, yeah, what, maybe just one other thing that we, we've thought about in the way that these consequences might really uh, magnify is to think about there might be long-term uh, flow-on effects over multiple generations. So for instance, we think about 
the effect of people's education on their own income, their own well-being, maybe their own family, but of course there's intergenerational transmission of those benefits. So uh, if, we get a, if we get an effect on someone's well-being through their education, that's also going to transmit into a much longer effect on, on their children and their children's children. Um, and so these sort of spillovers and, and flow-on effects can be really significant. Yeah, to give you just a rough idea of the, uh, of the magnitude, suppose that, and some estimates of uh, the transmission of human capital say about 50% is transmitted to the next generation. If that's the case, then the total impact, if we keep a population constant, so there's no growth of uh, just the reproduction of population across generation, um, is twice as big as the impact on the first generation. And so that is uh, somehow, we might underestimate many effects by uh, looking just at half of them. Economists tend to focus on two uh, policy tools which are used a lot. So the first one is command and control regulation. So we say, okay, your engine must not consume more than uh, that many gallons per mile or this sort of thing. Um, and uh, pricing mechanisms. So putting an economist, of course, favor the latter, <laughs> uh, monetary incentives. Um, but uh, as uh, Brody said, in the case of parental love, uh, you don't really see how uh, such instruments would be relevant. And so there are other mechanisms that help. And in particular, in the case of parental love, we see that there is already a mechanism, which is the natural altruism and feelings that parents have for their children. So there, there are feelings uh, that uh, can play a role of this sort. Um, and in addition, you have other further mechanisms. So you have, for instance, um, moral principles. So this is slightly different from feelings. So it's more cognitive. So people may believe they should do something, not just because it makes them feel happy for the others, but because they believe it's the right thing to do. Um, another thing which is, which is uh, less, uh, less bright, but is also uh, effective is mutual monitoring and social norms. So people may still be selfish, but they want to look good. So they don't want to be criticized by the others. Uh, so that also can play, can play a role. So for instance, if you look at the shaming of people who take a plane in, uh, in Scandinavia, uh, that's the kind of mechanism where they try to set up a, a norm and, and shame people if they don't abide by, by the norm. Uh, yeah, so you have all these mechanisms and the, the tricky uh, question, I mean, the open question essentially is, is how to use these various instruments um, in various contexts. And so it's complicated because sometimes you can combine them so, for instance, in the case of reducing flights, you can combine a shaming campaign uh, that is probably spontaneous in, in, in civil society with, with a pricing mechanism, making the tickets a, a little bit more expensive. Uh, you can combine these various things. But in other cases, there is a crowding out effect. So it might be that putting a fine on, on the pollution actually makes it essentially morally okay to do it, provided that you pay the, the fine, then you are essentially uh, just... Uh, Okay, morally speaking. And so there are studies which show that uh, putting a fine on something is perhaps sometimes counterproductive. So it's a very complicated uh, set of issues and um, our work is just opening up uh, this question. We don't have uh, answers on how to link context to a package of the various tools that can play a role. Our um, paper is essentially opening a research project for us. So it's the beginning of, uh, of the work uh, rather than the end. And so we hope to attract interest from our fellow researchers on, on uh, getting a better picture of the scope of this uh, issue, uh, which is a potentially very damaging issue for the health of society. And, um, and we need, in particular, uh, for economists, we need to come up with better 
measurement tools. Uh, it would be great to measure, to say something like the total well-being of society or the total surplus, economic surplus, is, is reduced by that much because of these, of these problems. Um, we don't have these, any, any uh, order of magnitude for, these, uh, for, for um, yeah, measuring these kind of problems.